0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: This is Greeny, Amber Wilson, and Chris Canty filling in today for Mike Greenberg. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. According to research, 90% of employers plan to enhance their employee experience this year. And if you need to add more employees, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can invite your top choices to apply. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Now, maybe the Philadelphia 76ers need to try a Zip Recruiter because I'm guessing <laughs> there are going to be some changes coming in that organization after their season came to an end last night. The hands of the Miami Heat, 99 to 90. The 76ers hardly showed up in that game. It seemed like a lack of effort from everybody out there. Harden was a complete non factor last night. He took just nine shots, Chris Canty, two of them in the second half. He scored just 11 points. Joel Embiid spent a lot lot of the night on the floor which was strange now given Embiid obviously did not look right out out there but it was just an overall strange showing for a 76ers team that was up against it in a do or die situation
0: yeah I mean listen it doesn't cost you anything to give effort especially on the defensive side of the court and that's not what we saw from the Sixers I mean there was a flare pass in the third quarter that James Harden had to Niang with the team down by 14 and it ended up being a turnover to Bam out of bio, And James Harden doesn't even give effort to try to get back on defense to stop Bam. And I just, it's, it's reflective of the issues that this Sixers team has had, which is consistency. And when you're playing against a team like Miami that prides themselves on playing hard for all 48 minutes throughout the course of a seven-game series, it's going to bear itself out where you see that there is a clear difference in terms of the intensity level and the physicality that they're gonna play with. And last night, that game, it, it was it was on display. I mean, you're talking about the Sixers, even though they have a bigger front line than the Heat, getting killed on the glass, Amber. 17 second chance points, 13 offensive rebounds for the Miami Heat. That is unacceptable if you're Doc Rivers in the Sixers. But that's what happened yesterday. And so you have to ask some serious questions about the chemistry and how this team is constituted in terms of whether or not you can get to where you want to be, which is competing for a championship.
1: And some of that, of course, was because Joel Embiid wasn't himself. But when he's not himself – that's when you need the James Harden and everybody else of the world to be able to step up. And he was out there and was, but listen, I mean, it was brutal watching him play. Cause you could see through all the pain that he was playing through and you knew he should not have frankly been out there. And you saw in the first couple games of this series, what it looks like when Joe Allen is not in fact out there, then he gave you a great game that made a difference that seemed like the 76ers were going to be able to compete in the series. But the truth of the matter is, Embiid was injured and he was very injured and he was playing through the pain and because of that he just wasn't going to be able to consistently do enough and be physical enough and when he would try he would fall I mean he spent so much time on the court last night Mm -hmm. I was afraid that he was going to seriously injure himself which frankly even as a Heat fan nobody wants to see that with Joel Embiid with the kind of season that he has had but with the yep. kind of season James Harden has had, it has been strange. And, and I don't quite know what to make of it other than, sure, yeah, he's not the player that he used to be. It doesn't fully explain, though, the lack of effort last night. One thing we always hear about, Chris, when we have the James Harden conversation is this hamstring, right? We've been talking about James Harden's hammy for years now at this point. Well, James Harden, the Sixers guard. He, of course, was asked whether that hamstring injury was bothering him last night after the game. Here's James Harden.
0: Honestly, it's been a long two years for me. I'm finally starting to, you know, kind of feel okay again. So it'll be a great summer for me to kind of get to get my um, body right and and be ready to go for next year. These last two years have been a whirlwind, though. Don't fall for it, Daryl Morey and the Sixers. Don't fall for it. That's, that's not what it is. It's not a hamstring. James Harden is a diminishing player, Amber. He's just not going to be the same guy that we saw down in Houston. It's not the hamstring injury. What it ultimately is, is James Harden not taking care of himself like a lot of the other superstars take care of themselves in the offseason. How they diet, they focus on their nutrition, their workout regimen. That's not been James Harden. He's spending his off seasons on the club circuit. And basically everybody around NBA circles anticipates that this summer is going to be much of the same for Harden, even with the stakes being what they are and potentially having a 200 plus million dollar contract extension. That's not going to be enough for James Harden to change who James Harden is. And that's the fortunate part about it. If you're the Sixers, because this is the guy that you thought was going to be the missing piece for you competing for a championship.
1: And that's where the conversation, of course, is going to go, is what do the 76ers do in terms of paying James Harden? James Harden was asked about that as well. Will he accept anything less than a max contract extension?
0: Whatever it takes to, to help this team continue to grow and, and, and put us up there with the best of them. Do you believe it? No, I don't believe it. I, I don't. And I want to believe it because I want Joel and Embiid to have a chance to win a championship I think he's one of the best big men, if not the best big man in all of basketball. And so I would like to see you know, see him get to a conference finals, see him get to an NBA finals, but he's going to have to have some help, particularly when it comes to guys in the backcourt. And I think Tyrese Maxey has the potential to develop into a guy that can be a force multiplier um, a- as a distributor, as a backcourt player, but that's years away. And at that point, Amber, I'm not too sure that we would not have seen the end of Joel Embiid's prime. So they need short-term help in a big way, and I'm not quite sure that that's going to be James Harden, but that's the $250 million question that Daryl Morey has to answer this summer.
1: Well, I think it's funny that there's this idea, though, that they have to pay him the max because, frankly, what is the market for James Harden? If he does opt out, is, is anybody handing him the max? I'm not sure he walks away from Philly if he doesn't get a max extension. But, of course, he does have the option of opting in. And you mentioned earlier in the show, and if you missed any of Greeny, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app or wherever podcasts are available to you. And you mentioned earlier that if he opts in for the $47 million, that big perk told you that the 76ers should trade away James Harden at that point. And I had never even considered that as an option, but what would they get in return for James Harden when he's got a $47 million price tag, even if it's for a season?
0: Well, I, it's hard for me to believe you're going to get a superstar in return. You're not going to get an all-star. That's, that's not going to happen. But what you could get, there are some nice supporting cast pieces. And one of the things that the Sixers need is perimeter shooting. Amber, they were the worst three-point shooting team in the regular season. And that showed up again in the playoffs. Now, you got a turn back clock performance by Danny Green in game three, not to mention Tyrese Maxey knocking down some threes in that same game as well. And then we saw what James Harden did in game four. So you got some three-point makes in those two games, uh, in the first two games in Philly in this series, but you didn't have that consistently enough throughout this series and throughout these playoffs. And I think that's one of the things that can make a difference in terms of being able to – capitalize on having a player like Embiid that has the kind of gravitational pull when it comes to opposing defenses, creating open looks for some of your perimeter players. Those guys have got to be able to knock down those shots. That was a big difference last night. Guys did not make shots, and it is a make-or-miss league. So I think that's one of the things that you could get in return if you do try to move James Harden. But I just don't know that Daryl Morey is going to see it the same way, Amber. And that's the tough part about this, just because they do have such a close personal relationship, him and Harden, I don't think that he's going to bail on Harden after just half a season. I think they'll give themselves a full offseason and a full regular season before they make a definitive long-term answer on whether or not he's a part of the plan.
1: Well, if Harden opts in, I can understand not wanting to then let him walk a season later for nothing. So trying maybe to shop him around, even despite that relationship, I just don't know what the market is for James Harden. Even in a trade capacity, I mean, you're going to have to pick up the 47 plus maybe give away role players, and then you're not going to make that trade unless you're not planning to pay James Harden. And I don't frankly know who wants to pay James Harden uh, if we're talking max money? Now, of course, money talks, and it always comes down to that. But his performance last night left a whole lot to be desired. Again, he only scored 11 points last night, uh, hardly took any shots, a total lack of effort. Stephen A., first-take host, was on NBA Countdown. After the game, he was disgusted by Harden's performance.
2: That performance by James Harden needs, needs, mm. requires an investigation. How in God's name do you play? You go 22 minutes in the second half and attempt one shot. It was a horrific performance, anemic and impotent performance by James Harden. And I'm really interested in seeing what the Philadelphia 76ers are going to do with Doc Rivers because I smell something and it don't smell right at all. And I'm going to leave it
0: at that for the moment. I like Uh the idea
1: that Stephen A. wants the FBI involved in investigating what happened last night to James Harden, (laughs) but he's not wrong, Chris Canty.
0: No, he's not wrong, and James Harden might have just cost Doc Rivers his job. Now, if Doc Rivers does get clipped by the Philadelphia 76ers, he's probably not going to be out of work long because my Los Angeles Lakers are rumored to be very interested in Doc Rivers' services, and so it'll be interesting to see how Daryl Morey plays it, but I, I just can't. Imagine that the Sixers think that bringing back everybody, head coach James Harden, everybody that's on this team is the right way to go given how far short they fell in the expectations that we had on them after they got Harden. I I disagree with what Doc Rivers said in the postgame. There's no way that this team outperformed expectations that they had this season because when you get a guy like James Harden, when you make that blockbuster trade and send Ben Simmons and Seth Curry to the Brooklyn Nets – You've got one thing on your mind, and that's winning a championship, and you fell short of that goal, and you got embarrassed and eliminated on your home court. That's not something that's going to sit well with Sixers' ownership, and that fan base is going to demand that changes be made.
1: The road to the rematch is on as bantamweight champ Juliana Pena and former champ Amanda Nunez go head-to-head as coaches on the historic 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. Stream the series now exclusively on ESPN+. Sign up now on ESPNplus.com. Coming up, we will get into Doc Rivers' future with the Philadelphia 76ers even more. Plus, our thoughts on the NFL schedule release. That's next. This is Greeny with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty filling in.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Amber Wilson and Chris Canty filling in for Mike Greenberg today on Greenie. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We have been talking a lot about this Miami heat 76ers game. The heat ended the Philadelphia 76ers season last night. The heat advanced to the Eastern conference finals and much to the chagrin of my fellow heat fans. We have of course been spending the majority of the show talking about the 76ers side of things, but Chris, the reality is talking about the team that's well coached and prepared and doing really well. And that's been atop the East all season long. Isn't necessarily the most interesting component of the series. We love to talk about the dumpster fires and right now it's kind looking like the 76ers are
0: one well here's the thing amber we'll have plenty of time to talk about your miami heat because they're going to the eastern conference finals and they're just waiting on the winner of buck celtics which will be played tomorrow night so i think the exciting thing is just seeing how far this miami heat team can take it because nobody really gave them a shot to get to the nba finals i think everybody looked at them as a fraudulent number one seed in the conference i I think it's a product of them taking the regular season more seriously than anybody else. And I think the reason that we have this perception around the Heat is because they don't have any superstars. I mean, Jimmy Butler is the closest thing that they have to it, but Jimmy Butler's not on the same level as an Embiid or as a Giannis or even a Jason Tatum. So I think that's the part part that a lot of people have a hard time seeing past is are the Miami Heat capable of getting to a finals and winning a championship when they don't have that true superstar? But I think – collectively, they, they play a brand of basketball that's going to make them very hard to beat once they get to the championship rounds. Think about this, Amber. You're talking about them holding the – I think they've held seven opponents throughout the course of this playoffs under 100 points. In today's NBA, that, that's, that's, that's unheard of. And so that's the most by far of any team this postseason. And you look at what they did with the Sixers, they've held them under 103 games this series – and as a result, they're able to close them out in six. So I think the most impressive thing about the Miami Heat is their commitment to the defensive end, which is why I think Jimmy Butler made it a point to emphasize that after they won Game Five at FTX Arena.
1: Uh, you threw in that Jason Tatum thing just to get under my skin and drive me crazy, but I digress. Nobody's
0: I- drafting. Nobody's if you're dra- if you have all 30 general managers to draft players. Nobody is taking Jimmy Butler over Jason Tater. Okay, That's happening. fine.
1: They can all be wrong because uh, only, only one of those dudes has been uh, two Eastern Conference finals in the last three years and an NBA finals as well. We'll see, though, what happens with the Boston Celtics. And we will get into Celtics bucks a little bit later in the show. We've been talking a lot about the head coach, though, of the Philadelphia 76ers in Doc Rivers. Here was Doc after the game last night when he was asked about his job security.
0: I don't worry about my job, Howard. I think I do a a terrific job. And if you don't, then you should write it because I worked my butt off to get this team here. When I first got here, no one picked us to be anywhere. Uh, And again, this year, the same thing. So if that's how anyone feels, write it and I'm going to feel secure about it.
1: Nobody picked them to be anywhere. I mean, everybody picked them to be somewhere. They have Joel Embiid on that team. What are we talking about, Doc?
0: I don't understand why Doc at every turn is trying to defend his record. When people asked him about blowing series leads in the playoffs in the first round against the Raptors, he's always trying to defend his record and give context to the circumstances. But the reality is nobody cares about the circumstances. People just care about the results. And Amber, can we... Can we, can we just put this out there? Because I, I, I'm tired of hearing this. Everybody knows that Doc Rivers has won a championship once upon a time. Have we seen a head coach in the modern era in any professional sports league that has gotten more mileage out of one championship than Doc Rivers has got out of that Boston Celtics championship <laughs> no. in 2008? Can, can you point, Is there one coach that has got more mileage out of one championship than Doc Rivers?
1: It is remarkable. And man, it must be, I mean, that is a good profession. Cause you mentioned it earlier. There are the Lakers rumors out there already. Doc hasn't even lost his job yet with the 76ers, but man, it is good to be a coach where you can continue to not meet expectations, but continue to fail upwards. That might be what happens here with Doc Rivers. Tune into an NL battle tomorrow as the cards host, the Giants presented by progressive insurance coverage begins at one 30 Eastern on ESPN. EF- ESPN Radio and on the ESPN
2: app. Previously on Greeny. I love Luka. And here's my favorite thing about Luka Doncic. There was some criticism of him. There were a lot of people who thought he wasn't mature enough. He's arguing with the refs too much. He doesn't, the teammates don't love him. And rather than be a petulant 22-year-old and and get frustrated by all that and kind of lash out, he seems to have accepted it. He seems to have accepted the criticism, I mean. Accepted the coaching from Jason Kidd.
1: Weekly Rewind is brought to you by Dell for your small business needs. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Luca facing the first elimination game of his young career. Chris Canty came up big. 33 points, 11 boards, 8 assists. He is dragging the Mavs back to Phoenix to try to win a game 7 against the team that was easily the best team in the NBA all season long.
0: Amber, I said it after game one. I thought this was going to be a long series, and it was a product of seeing what the Mavs did in the fourth quarter of game one when they shot 67%. Even though it ended up being a Suns blowout, I mean, it was a situation where you could see that from a style of play standpoint, they presented some unique challenges for the Phoenix Suns. And so this has been a series where every home team has won every single game. And so it sets up for a really interesting game seven but I don't think we can say enough about Luka Doncic's performance last night. In elimination games, Amber, Luka Doncic over the course of his career is averaging thirty-nine points a game. And last night was his 14th game where he scored over 30 plus in the playoffs. Now you're talking about, you know, under the age of twenty-four, guys like LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Kobe Bryant being the only other guys that have more. 30-point-plus performances before the age of 24 in the postseason. That's how good Luka Doncic is. And the stretch that's reflective of just how special a talent it is is in the second quarter of that game. If you look back, 41-39, about six and a half minutes to go until halftime. And Luka Doncic is a part of a run that extends the lead to 15 points. And during that span, Amber, Luka Doncic – scored or assisted on every single field goal. So to me, like, he's the catalyst for the Dallas Mavericks to get it going. He's a size uh, a size mismatch for Chris Paul and any of the other backcourt players for the Phoenix Suns. If you put a bigger guy on him like a Jay Crowder we saw last night, he's going to blow by him and he's going to get into the paint and he's going to finish at the rim. He had a couple of dunks um, that were really impressive. So, I mean, overall – This is a really, really good player, and this is why you couldn't discount the Dallas Mavericks coming into this series – because they were going to have the best player on the court in every single game.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what you can never count out the team in the NBA with the best player on the court at any given time, and that is hands down Luca. And particularly when CP3, you know what he does? He loves to disappear at points in the playoffs, and he has wow. certainly done that the last few games. Wow. I'm just saying that man has tallied 25 points over the last three games, even though he started that series. Phenomenal, Chris Canty. So we. Oh, will- you could
0: take it further than that, Amber. Chris Paul has scored 37 points in the last four games. You ain't got to be a rocket scientist to know that that's not very good.
1: No, that is not very good. Uh, So it sets up a game seven between Dallas and Phoenix.
0: Greenie, the podcast.
1: Chris, yesterday, the NFL released its schedules for all 32. And with it, we got a lot of production, some very fun social media viral videos. These organizations are definitely living in 2022 because they are putting some effort into this thing in terms of social. The Dallas Cowboys one was great Mm -hmm. because they got Stephen A. Smith involved. Stephen A. Smith, they bring him in. He's, you know, talking smack about the Dallas Cowboys. They cut it all up. Jerry Jones uh, in his empire there, he makes it seem like Stephen A.'s praising the Dallas Cowboys and their schedule. Oh, and you
0: love Stephen A. having a 10-gallon hat on too, right?
1: Of course. You got to love
0: that. Like, that's a part of the whole shtick.
1: So I like that the Dallas Cowboys are embracing the whole shtick. Like that's, that to me was very fun and very self-aware of them where they're not taking themselves too seriously. So that was a really, really good one. A lot of people love the Los Angeles chargers one. They released their schedule release video in anime. I mean, all I could think was like, what was the production cost on that? Like what was the budgeting this year for your schedule release video? When you have graphics designers and whatever that requires to do like an entire, Entire anime show essentially about your schedule release. It's pretty cool.
0: No, that was pretty cool too. And then they had the one with the pop tarts. Like that was a little bit extra as well. Like mm-hmm. the Los Angeles Chargers having the pop tarts and using Kyler Murray as the mini pop tarts. Mm-hmm. So disrespectful. But it was all in good fun, though. It was it was it was fun to see these NFL teams embrace that aspect of it, knowing how important social media is in terms of being able to spread news and information. The one that I loved the most, Amber. Had to be the Detroit Lions. I mean, the Detroit Lions with the police officer, and he's going through all the different holes and flips that he's doing, and he's got it. He's doing it on the Vikings. He's doing it on all of these different opponents that the uh, that the Lions faced this year. So I thought that was a pretty cool one as well.
1: You turned me on to that one, and so he uses all of these like self. Uh, I don't self-preservation, self-defense, self-defense I guess, defense, tactics. Yeah. And so he, he like takes a fish out of his pocket and throws him to distract the Dolphins player. And, <laughs> and he rips off the Vikings hat and he says, you know, you realize that a Viking is just, you know, a regular person with a good beard or whatever. And, and so there was a lot of funny jokes uh, in part of that as well. And that one was really, really well done. That one, I like when they laced the humor throughout as well so I don't know if that dude is an actual self-defense expert but I was buying into everything I was picking up everything he was putting down
0: no doubt now only if the Detroit Lions can be as good as their social media team was in terms of the schedule release that'll be what all Lions fans are excited about
1: that will be what they are excited about Uh, there's a lot to unpack with the NFL schedule release and there are a lot of teams now that know that they have a rough season ahead this is Greeny coming to you live from above the Heineken River Dick at Pier 17. Chris Canty is at Pier 17. You can see his smiling face streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. You can also, of course, check us out on the ESPN app and on SiriusXM Channel 80 as well, ESPN+. Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We have been doing a lot of NBA playoff basketball today, a whole lot of 76ers talk, and that talk ain't going nowhere, even though their season is over. But we haven't gotten to talk much about the NFL schedule release yet. And for that, we bring in Mike Tannebaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. And and Mike, let's start here. Uh, What schedule do you think, after they've been released, is the hardest? What team is most up against it?
3: Yeah, I think there's one little period there that really popped out to me. It's the uh, Miami Dolphins, where you know you always look to see if you have a three-game road trip, and in early December they have to in consecutive weeks go at the 49ers, at the Chargers, and at Buffalo. Now, you know we have seen the trend of East Coast teams staying out on West Coast for you know um, consecutive games, and maybe they will, um, but that that's a really tough stretch to me. Now the good news is they do get. Buffalo and New England at home in September, which is something. Uh, being back when I was with the Dolphins, like we wanted to play the northern teams in the South uh, in September, you know, for an, an advantage.
0: Mike, one of the things that I noticed about the set the schedule is the Buffalo Bills, and even though they open with the reigning defending champs, you are talking about a team that was picked by a lot of people to win the Super Bowl this year. They don't play any teams coming off of a bye week, and they have a net. Day's rest differential of plus 13, which is the largest of anyone this upcoming season. How much of an advantage is that going to be for the Bills and them trying to compete for a chip?
3: Yeah, you know, Chris, that certainly helps. You know, I also think it's like there's a great axiom here. Like, it's not who you play, but when you play, like I want to play the Packers early, for example, because I think it's going to take them a minute to figure out their offense without Devontae Adams. Um, I want to play Dallas early because, until Michael Gallup gets back, you know, who's replacing Amari Cooper? So there's, you know, I, I think it certainly helps Buffalo to have that sort of rest differential, but I'm always looking at who, who's playing who and when.
1: Mike Tannebaum, ESPN, NFL front office insider on Greeny with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. And, Mike, you mentioned the Miami Dolphins, so let's go back to your time when you were in the front office there. The schedule gets released. What's happening inside NFL front offices at that moment or when you find out about what the upcoming schedule is going to be like? How much analyzing is being done or extra preparation is kicked up, if any?
3: So every team is doing the same thing. Everyone's going to say we're taking it one game at a time but you're sitting there you know you're trying you're looking at what games you feel good about which ones you're concerned about and again like you're looking at key injuries heading into the season so you know like you just want to um you know make sure that um hey like if we're playing a team that has a couple of key guys like you know are they going to be on PUP you know things like that or climate like again going back to the AFC East you know Buffalo wants the home games in December Miami wants the home games in September so so those are some of the things you're looking at
0: Talking with ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tenenbaum on Greeny. And Mike T, the Kansas City Chiefs have a really tough schedule to start the season. Their first eight games are against teams that finished over 500, and only two of those teams were outside of the playoffs, that being the Indianapolis Colts and the Los Angeles Chargers. Both made massive upgrades this offseason. As far as Kansas City figuring out how to offset the loss in production from Tyreek Hill, how important is the preseason going to be for them in terms of making sure they're ready to go at the start of the regular season?
3: Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. I think when you're changing skill players, I think that's that's right. Like, I think that's one of the things that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You know, if there are certain teams – like, let's face it, you know, the Rams this year, training camp's not nearly as important. Now, look, you're adding in Robinson, you're losing Robert Woods, but by and large, like, the core of that offense is back um, – again, teams like Green Bay, Kansas City, like even though it's Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, like training camp to me is a little bit more important than it's been in the past.
1: Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN, NFL front office insider joining us. Mike, I asked you who has the toughest schedule coming up. Who has the easiest schedule? Was there a schedule here that you were just surprised and feel like it's a walk in the park?
3: You know, I don't think there's any walk in the parks, right? Like in terms of, you know, it's interesting, like what you guys are talking about. Like I do think, you know, going back to like Tampa, for example, like I think some of their initial games is probably easier than, I, in my opinion, again, like when you think about like Dallas, I'd rather play Dallas early. Green Bay, I'd rather play them early. So I think Tampa Bay is kind of catching a break, even though it's not easy. But again, those are a couple of teams I'd rather play early in the season.
0: Mike T., in in looking at the schedule, every time you get it, there are always some games that players circle because they're looking forward to that matchup, whether it's against their former team or you're talking about them, you know, having an axe to grind with the team because they passed on them in the draft. When you look at this schedule for the NFL, what are the games that you've got circled that you're most looking forward to?
3: Yeah, opening week, there's two of them. I mean, how can you not be a fan of the sport, not uh, be so intrigued by – Russell Wilson going into Seattle. And then the other one to me is Chargers-Raiders, right? Last game of the year, Raiders eliminate the Chargers. Chargers go out and get J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, and boy, away we go. Opening day, can't get here soon enough. Like, those are great, great early games.
1: Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Mike, I asked you about your time in the front office. I always like to get your unique front office perspective here, and I asked you what teams were doing now that they have their schedules to prepare. I'm also curious like how the television component of this affects things because we know 13 teams have five primetime games this season. Seven don't have multiple primetime games at all, like the Falcons, the Giants, the Jags, the Jets. If you're a team, how much are you looking into that? I mean, are you... Like, Like, how disappointed are you? Do you feel like the NFL is is doing you dirty if you're not prime time?
3: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting point. You know, the the purest, it'd be like the old school. Like, you want to play every game Sunday at 1. It gives you routine. It gives your players a real sense of, and Chris, you know this, like, what, what to expect each week. It gives you, like, the easy, it's sort of like to run a franchise. Like, that's certainly the easy way, but look. The globalization of the game, the interest of the game, it's unbelievable. It's good for all of us. So, you know, we played overseas. We played in Japan. We played in London. Um, sure, it's disruptive, but it's an opportunity for the you know everyone to see you. And same thing with primetime. Like, while it's disruptive to your schedule, it's a great opportunity because, you know, one thing players know, and Chris, you know this, when you're playing on those primetime games, your peers are watching and nobody wants to let down their peers.
0: No doubt about it. No question about that. Mike T., I got to ask you about the Cleveland Browns. They have the easiest strength of schedule through the first quarter of the season, the first four games. Now I also know that there's a lot of uncertainty about when Deshaun Watson would be available, possible suspension. If the NFL finds that there was wrongdoing, how much of a break do the Browns catch by having the schedule lay out the way that it is for, um, you know, any potential Deshaun Watson suspension that could be on horizon.
3: Yeah, that's Chris. I think, Going into the season, the biggest variable to a team's success is how will the NFL handle a potential Deshaun Watson suspension. And, again, there's 22 civil lawsuits that are still pending. There was no, uh, you know, the grand jury did not want to pursue charges. The commissioner has suspended players in the past. So, um, you know, is it a four-game suspension? Is it a six-game? Is it half the season? So that variable, um, you know, if I'm the Browns, I do feel fortunate the way you said, like, the schedule lays out for them. But let's face it, you know, there's a big difference between Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson. So I, I think the variability of the outcome of what the Browns could be this year is is pretty significant.
1: Mike, last one here on the way out, Uh, the globalization of the game. You mentioned it, and we are going to get more of it. We're going to have a game now in Germany. And instead of sending kind of one of the, you know, maybe like lesser franchises to Germany, Germany, Munich is going to get Tom Brady. Like they are going to get uh, the greatest to ever do it. Uh, Tom Brady, the Bucks against the Seahawks. What does that say, if anything, about the globalization of the game?
3: It, it You know, I'm very biased and selfish. Like, we have the greatest sport, and there's no second. I mean, the closest second is college football. That's why the draft is the confluence of those two things. And it's the greatest sport in the world. It's the most competitive. It's the best players. It's the best game. And, um, you know, I think we're having this conversation in five years. We'll talk about multiple games in Germany. We'll be talking about the South American game. And uh, I, I don't think the sport's ever been healthier, more competitive, more entertaining. It's played by the best, again, athletes on the planet, coached by the best coaches. Um, I think it's a great time to be, you know, part of the NFL.
1: Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Mike, thanks so much for joining us.
3: Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me.
1: Chris and I have not forgotten that there's a couple of game sixes tonight in the Mm -hmm. NBA playoffs. We're going to get into those in just a second. But first, a word from NetSuite. In growing companies, there are two kinds of CFOs, the one overwhelmed with manual processes, errors, and a lack of control of the numbers, and the one who uses NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. With visibility and control of financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Head to NetSuite.com slash Greenie for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. NetSuite.com slash greenie. So, Chris, the NBA play- playoffs roll on tonight. Game six, Celtics at Bucks. 730 PM tip off. Then we get another game six between the Grizz and the Warriors. That is a 10 p.m. tip-off, which, whoo, missed me with these 10 p.m. tip-offs. <laughs> but I guess, it, I guess there is another coast out there, right? Yeah. Uh, but for us over here on the East Coast, a little rough. Let's start with the Seas and the Bucks, though. I mean, a lot of people didn't necessarily think the Bucks would be in this position. They are the lower seed here. And yet they're in a situation where they could end the Celtics season even without Chris Middleton next to Giannis.
0: Well, I think coming into this series, Amber, one of the things that a lot of people looked at was how the Boston Celtics played against the Brooklyn Nets. The team that was considered the favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference before the season started. And the way that they dispatched of the Nets, sweeping them four games, good night, we'll holler at you later. The fact that it went down that way gave us an inflated opinion of who the Boston Celtics were. And so although I do think the Celtics are a really good team, I think it made us discount you know the the Milwaukee Bucks because they only have one superstar as opposed to the Brooklyn Nets having KD and Kyrie but in reality the Milwaukee Bucks are the reigning defending champs and they play really good team basketball yes they're led by Giannis and they're asking him to do more than pretty much any team is asking one player to do in the playoff field but at the same time, you do have playmakers that stepped up in a big way, and we saw that in Game 5 with Drew Holiday down the stretch. We saw that as well with Bobby Portis, who was a monster on the offensive glass and creating opportunities for second-chance points. And so if they can continue to get those contributions from those guys and Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen and Wesley Matthews knocking down open shots, then we could be talking about the Bucks being able to close out the seeds at home tonight.
1: Celtics Zach Bucks. I mentioned 730 p.m. Tip off that game is on ESPN and right here on ESPN radio. You know, we live in the moment right with these situations and we saw the Celtics in the second half of the season with that unbelievably elite defense. We kind of just forgot everything that happened in the first half of the season. Then they came into the playoffs and they were so incredibly impressive in the first round. And so they move on here to taking on the defending champs and early on it seemed like, okay, you know, with the Bucks shorthanded without Middleton, they're not going to be able to get, get it done against such an elite defense. But what's been remarkable is seeing Giannis do work against this elite defense. I still, I mean, this defense is still elite, Chris. Like, I, you know, I don't even know if we overstated anything the Celtics have done up to this point. I just think maybe we just still understated somehow the greatness of Giannis, which I don't even know. I mean, we've all stated it over and over again, but Antetokounmpo is leading the league and averaging, you know, 31.3 points per game. I mean, He's unbelievable and he's the reason that the Bucks are in a position to move on to an Eastern Conference finals if they win tonight and that's what happens when you have the best player in the world on your team, Chris. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, Amber, he drops 40 and 11 in game five and everybody's talking about how Drew Holiday is the hero for the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. Just think about that that like we've come to expect those types of performances from Giannis but think about where that team was with two minutes to go in that game they were down six And the big play that got things turned around for them was Giannis burying a three from the top of the key that cut the lead to three they forced a Marcus Smart turnover Drew Holiday comes down and hits another three ties the game up so I mean th- th- those are the plays that you're looking for for your superstar to get a game turned. And those are the plays that Jason Tatum is going to have to try to find tonight if he's going to help his team avoid elimination. And that's probably been the most underwhelming part for me when you have these opportunities for the Boston Celtics to maintain home court advantage. Jason Tatum has come up small. And that's the thing that surprises me a little bit. Uh, Marcus Smart certainly picked the worst point to have the worst two minutes in his career – Um, We saw that in game five, but Jason Tatum can't be jacking up threes and going two for 11 from three point land. That's not a formula for success for the Boston Celtics. They've got to share the basketball. They've got to move the basketball as opposed to trying to play ISO ball. And I think we saw a little too much of that in game five. So that's something that I look for early on in game six if they're going to have a chance to be able to force a Game 7 back at TD Garden.
1: A few games ago, everybody was acting like Jason Tatum was a top three player in the NBA. It just shows maybe a little patience here over the course of the playoffs. We'll see what happens, though. Uh, Grizzlies-Warriors, 10 p.m. tip-off. That game is on ESPN. What do you make of that series? Uh, Golden State leads three games to two. Do you think they're going to be able to close this thing out?
0: Yeah, they're going to close it out at home. But, I mean, I I thought Jamil Hill put it perfectly on Twitter when she said that the Warriors – have that substitute teacher energy. And that's what they played with in game five down in Memphis, because you could tell their focus, their attention to detail just wasn't there from the opening tip. They allowed 29 points off of turnovers to the Memphis Grizzlies. You just can't have that happen, Amber, and expect that your team is going to have a chance at success. So that's one of the things that they have to be better at. They've got to be better at shooting the basketball and they've got to be tied together defensively. And those are all things that the Memphis Grizzlies were and the Golden State Warriors weren't. But I'll say this, Golden State has championship pedigree. This is a team that recognizes that their opponent is playing without their all-star. They'll close it out in the Chase Center. I have no doubt about it. But the one thing that I would look at from Golden State's perspective is them missing an opportunity to get a couple of extra days rest by closing it out in Game 5 in Memphis.
1: I actually think that was a big learning lesson for them coming off of Game 5 because even though you're the ones with all the experience in playoff basketball and even though the Grizz are missing their superstar in John Morant, like you can't take your foot off the gas pedal because this Grizzlies team is also very used to winning without John Morant. And maybe that's suiting them just fine because, frankly, we're going to end up having a conversation about – John morant how durable he is the type of style of basketball that he plays you know we're going to end up having those conversations well into the future but certainly memphis has been winning this season without him the warriors cannot take it easy tonight against a morantless less less grizzlies team but i'm with you i think because of all that experience and that championship pedigree they probably are able to close it out and get it done tonight